please stand by. Good morning, brothers and sisters. My name is Cindy Fain, and I'm working with Rick Bond from Ministries to bring you this teaching today. Our text is going to be Acts chapter 4, and it's going to come to you in two parts. The first part of the chapter will be our teaching today, and the last half will be our teaching for a later time. This is a wonderful chapter, and the context, of course, is based upon Acts chapter 3, which is where Peter and John were walking up to the temple for their 3 o'clock prayer meeting, and they encounter a lame man, a lame man who was begging for alms. And Peter and John locked eyes with this man, and the man, thinking that Peter and John was going to give him money, they turned and said to him, We don't have silver or gold, but what we do have we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And then they extended their hand and they picked up the lame man, helped him to stand aright. And his legs, his feet, his ankles, everything was strengthened. It was an instantaneous miracle. And he, the, the, the lame man who is now healed, began to praise God openly, as you can well imagine. He had been lame for many, many years, and now he's walking. So he goes inside the temple area. He is very loud. He's extravagant with his praise, and it draws a crowd. And this is our setting for Acts chapter 4. And as we enter into this chapter, let's pause and give thanks to our glorious God who still does miracles today. And perhaps you're in need of one. And this chapter is going to encourage you to seek God more fully, more powerfully, more boldly. And it's going to compel you to seek and pray to him on behalf of others. So let's go to our Father right now. Lord, we welcome your presence and we thank you for being in our midst. We thank you, Father, that your word does not return void. Wherever it is spoken, the power of your resurrected spirit comes forth to do signs, wonders, and miracles. And we get excited about that, Father. So I pray that as this teaching goes forth into the ears of listeners that faith will be built. There will be an expectation of you going to work in all of our lives. That we will love your word even more. More than we did when this teaching started, Father. Because you are eternal and you do things in a a forward-moving way. So, Father, the love that we have for you today will grow stronger moment by moment. And we pray that as we're opening your word now and it begins to speak, that our love for you will grow stronger, deeper, that our love for others will do the same, and that we will want your power to be manifested in our lives. We love you, Father. We love the Son, and we love the Holy Spirit, and we welcome you now as we enter into this time of fellowship over your beloved word. In the name of Jesus, amen. When Peter and John encountered the lame man, and the lame man responded with excitement, as I indicated before, it drew a crowd. And this was a crowd that had also been at the crucifixion of Jesus. 
So it was not a random crowd. It was a crowd that had witnessed the Jesus that Peter and John are about to give testimony to. Now, what is happening here is as this man is praising God loudly, as he is demonstrating what an instant miracle looks like, Peter and John take the opportunity to give a sermon and to speak to the crowd as those, again, who had witnessed the crucifixion. And he turns to them, and because of their response, now we want to also remember that they were astonished at this miracle. They were amazed, and that is the right response. But Peter is going to draw their attention to something that is underlying their response, and he wants them to have a chance to do something with this. So he turns to the crowd, and he says, Men of Israel, why are you so astonished? As if we healed this man, as if we made this happen. No, we did not bring healing to this man. God brought healing to this man, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of your ancestors, the God of the prophets. And, and these are your ancestors. And you are, you are in direct lineage to receive the blessings that God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he's giving you an opportunity right now to repent, to turn from your evil ways, and to let him restore you, and to bring you into times of refreshment and fulfillment, for you to become more aware and to believe that the covenant that he gave to Abraham, that he affirmed with Isaac, with Jacob, with your ancestors and with your prophets, it is still alive today. And you are heirs to all the promises that come from Exodus forward. And he's inviting them, Peter's inviting them to take a moment and to repent of their sins, which is the right response. Jonathan, can you edit that out? Yeah, I I can. That's no problem. I'm sorry, my throat got dry. No, that's okay. (coughs) Take your time because I can edit out. I can splice anything I need to. Okay, thank you. (coughs) Let me get some more water. Okay. <clears throat> Are you ready, Jonathan? Okay. Okay. As the people were taking time to heed the words of Peter, another group, a, a group that was going to cause trouble, came up. And this is the group of men who were the religious people. They were the religious leaders, the Sadducees, and the captain of the temple guard. And unfortunately, they did not have the same response that the crowd had when Peter and John had facilitated this miracle. No, 
their response was coming from a spirit of jealousy. Acts chapter 5 verse 17 tells us that the leaders operated in a spirit of jealousy. And we know this is a spirit that had been on them when Jesus was uh, alive and doing miracles for the people and teaching and doing the things that God had commanded him to do. So what we want to look at for a moment is what does it mean to be a religious leader? What is the context here? A religious leader in this context is a person who has devotion, but they are void of love, love of God, love of man, and they are threatened by the power of God. So, again, religious people are void. They have devotion, but they are void of the love of God. They are void of the love of man, and they are threatened by the power of God. And this is what is on is is being demonstrated by the leaders when they come up to Peter and John as they have just had a, a, a breakout of revival, if you will, because the church was added to that day. On the day of Pentecost, there were several thousand that came in, and now the number is bumping up to about five thousand. So, again, this was a, a good sized crowd. And it did draw the attention of those who did not share the same sentiments. Well, what we want to look at is a couple of things. First of all, the religious people were those that Jesus came in contact with. And he had some words for them that were not complimentary. They, in fact, he he describes them in Matthew chapter 23. And I'm just going to look at these and read some of the descriptions for you. Jesus acknowledged that they were interpreters of the, of the scripture, but he said their lifestyle is a poor example. You can depend on them to be interpreters of scripture, but they do not live by what they understand the scriptures to be saying. They crush others with impossible religious demands. They never lift a finger to help people bear up under those religious demands. Everything they do is for show. They love being known by their title as rabbi. They wear extra long tassels on their outfits. They love to sit in the prominent seat in the synagogue. They love being at the head of the table. And they they make an outward show. They want people to think that they're concerned for the well-being of those under their care. But by their actions, they show that they do not care because they are highly critical and like their ancestors Jesus said they kill the prophets and he called them two names he called them snakes and vipers and neither of these are complimentary to say the least and if you can imagine being in that situation where Jesus is bringing this charge against them a person who had a true love of God and a love of others, and who saw the power of God on display, you would have been motivated right then and there to get your heart right before God. But in a religious setting, a religious person always has the same response. They get angry. They get indignant. And they want to kill the person who's bringing the charge against them because it is messing in their sandbox. It's getting in their realm of authority. It's taking away from them what they have worked so hard to build up. 
And here and again, this this uh, shows a separation of those who are righteous and unrighteous because the unrighteous religious leaders will always be protective of their domain. They will always be protective, not in a sense of caring for the sheep, but in a sense of being afraid that they're going to lose power. Whereas a righteous man, a righteous man will be a God-fearing man, a God-fearing individual, and they will always want the name of God to be exalted, whereas an unrighteous man will want themselves to be exalted. So there's a lot at stake. Righteous man meets up with the power of God and will not submit to it when they meet up with the word of God and they will not submit to it. So chapter four opens up with Peter and John having just experienced a bit of revival with the crowd and the religious leaders walk up. Now, I want to draw a contrast to the the two different responses here, because the unrighteous leaders, they immediately arrested the righteous men. They arrested them. They jailed them and they conspired against them. But the thing that is the most alarming about this is that they did not recognize. They did. They wanted no part of and they did not authenticate. They did not bless Peter and John for bringing healing to this man. In fact, they didn't recognize the power of God at all. They reacted out of a jealous, critical spirit. And that's what drove them to have these men arrested and put in jail. Now, notice the response of Peter and John. Peter and John had been working with God. They were facilitating a healing and they were giving testimony to God's power, which goes back to the sermon we were just talking about when he said to them, why are you astonished? We did not do this in our own power. We are doing this as children of God. And listen, O people of Israel, God wants to bless you the same way so that you can do these wonderful, mighty acts. So they're giving testimony to the wonderful deeds of the Lord. And he they gave honor to to God for healing this lame man. Now, When they are brought before the religious leaders, when they're brought before the Sanhedrin, the high priests, the teachers of the law, uh, those who, again, it was all for outward show, but they had prominence in the community, in the religious realm. When they were brought before these these men, they were asked a question, by what power do you do this? Now, first of all, they should have known the answer to that question. But we're trying to condemn these men, which, again, is the outward flow of a religious spirit. A religious spirit always wants to condemn. So when they ask the question, by what power do you do this? Peter spoke so plainly. In fact, I love what the New Living Translation says. Peter said, Let me state clearly, and I'm going to read it. Let me state clearly. This man was healed in the name and power of Jesus Christ from Nazareth, the man you crucified. 
but whom God raised from the dead. And there is salvation in no one else. There is salvation in no one else. This is Acts chapter 4, verses 10 to 12. Oh, brothers and sisters, we need to give glory to God because there is salvation in no one else. And it is by the name of Jesus that a lame man walks, that a blind man sees, that a, that an issue of blood is dried up, that an epileptic is stopped in the midst of their seizures, never to have another one again. It is by the name of Jesus that the dead get up and walk. And Peter and John are giving testimony here and inviting those who have been rebellious to turn from their evil ways and to join in with the covenant that God has given them and to live in the family of God and to do the works that God has called them to do. So here is a showdown right here in Acts chapter 4 between the righteous and the unrighteous. And oftentimes it looks different than what we would expect it to look because actually if you look at the text, it should be the leaders, it should be the religious men who are healing the sick, who are facilitating miracles by the hand of God. It should be those who are educated in the, the, uh, the, the higher realms of biblical knowledge. It should be those who have devoted their lives to being interpreters of Scripture, but it's actually inverted. They have become hardened, and they want to build their own kingdom. And Peter and John, who are uneducated men, are the ones who are facilitating the miracles because they've yielded themselves to the power of God. So again, the response here is a contrast. The righteous men are silenced and the unrighteous men are driving at them being silenced, taken out, even killed. Well, that's not the end of the story. Let's look at what else happens. The unrighteous men, they finally recognize that Peter and John, they reason among themselves. These men have been with Jesus. Now, I do love that the text says this. They recognize that these men had been with Jesus. I believe that prepositional phrase, with, is very important. They weren't just mimicking Jesus. They were living as true followers of Christ. And I declare to you from John 12:26 that if a man or a woman wants to serve God, he must first be a follower. He must first be a follower of Jesus. And these men had been with Christ. They were followers. But the problem came up with these religious men conferring among themselves. What are we going to do with these men who actually have more authority in the heavenly realm than we do? Now, they could not argue with the fact that a lame man had been healed. In fact, the lame man was standing right in front of them. And they also couldn't argue with the fact that the people who had believed Peter and John and were turning from their evil ways, they were getting excited. But the religious leaders conferred among themselves and decided, this is the best approach. Let's threaten them. Let's warn them. 
let's tell them that they can never speak again in the name of Jesus. Well, that was perhaps one of the best things they could have done because the reaction that came from them voicing that threat, which is a dangerous threat, and they had full intent on following through with it because they had already proven they were murderers. They killed Jesus. So they would have carried out this threat, but for fear of the people, they ended up letting Peter and John go, but not before Peter and John had the last word. Because when the religious leaders came back into the presence of Peter and John, they warned them, do not preach again in the name of Jesus. Do not teach that there is a resurrection of the dead. And Peter and John had the right response. They said, and this is the righteous. Now, the unrighteous have come against the righteous. The righteous says, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? Now, remember who they're speaking to. These are untrained men. These are common, ordinary men. But they had been with Jesus. With him, they had authority, and they were not afraid. We cannot stop telling about the wonderful things we have seen and heard. We cannot help ourselves, is what they're telling the men who had the power to execute them. We cannot help ourselves. We have got to tell what we have seen, what we have heard, and what we have been commissioned to do. And if it costs us our lives, then so be it. We're going to stay true to the word of God. And brothers and sisters, I bring you this word today as a happy word. It is not an easy word to bring. Because when we start looking at religious leaders Perhaps faces come up in our mind of those we know who are religious leaders. They have devotion, but there is no love of God. There is no love of man, and they are threatened by the power of God. And they are in high places, and they are trying to silence those who are speaking the truth. And I am not talking about political leaders. I'm not talking about secular political leaders. I'm talking about people within organized church structure who have no love of God, who have no love of man, and they are threatened by the word of God, and they confer among themselves as to what to do with those who are filled with the spirit of God, who do authenticate miracles, who work by the power of God to bring the spirit of God in. But yet, They are the ones, the righteous are the ones put on trial. I speak to you today and encourage you to stop being afraid. If you are in this situation, perhaps in your own church, where your voice is being silenced, where you are not being given the opportunity to speak the things of God, you may have a decision to make, and that is between God and between you. But I can encourage you today to stand strong wherever you are, forever how long God has you in that place, and to be mindful 
of the scriptures that encourage us as believers to understand that in this world we are going to encounter false prophets, false teachers, and many times they are the ones who wield the scepter of authority in our churches. But the scriptures warn us, do not follow them. In fact, come out from among them. Remove yourselves from the evil that is being uh, perpetuated in your fellowship. Because I declare to you today on the authority of God's word that if men or women are not adhering to the full scope of the gospel of God, they are in trouble. And the people of God need to get bold, become emboldened about the God we know. The God whose word does not fail, does not return void. And the word of God that needs to be preached to a dying, hurting world, but a dying, hurting church. Because we have many in our churches, brothers and sisters, who are not aware of the covenant that they are in with their mighty God. But I leave you today with this portion of the teaching with two passages that should motivate us to be encouraged in our walk, in our pursuit to live as the righteous, even under condemnation of the unrighteous. Hear the word of the Lord. Revelation 12:11. They, the righteous, have defeated the devil because of the word, I'm sorry, because of the blood of the lamb and because of their testimony. And they were not afraid to die. Be encouraged with these two verses. 1 John 4, 4. You belong to God, my dear children. You have already won your fight with these false prophets because the spirit who lives in you, O righteous one, is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. And then 1 John 5, 4. For every child of God defeats the devil by trusting Christ to give the victory. I encourage you today to be assured of this one fact. When Peter and John were standing before the religious leaders, they did not know how the story was going to end. They had witnessed the crucifixion of their Savior. They did not know if they would live another day, ten days, ten years. They had no way of knowing, but they knew they were being threatened. Instead of running, instead of going to other believers and talking about the problem, they fortified themselves. They got stronger. And we're going to see in the next teaching the result of this glorious decision, which is a motivator for us as the church of God to stand up, to be righteous, Because this is what Jesus has given us. He has given us right standing before God. And we are to carry out with boldness the word of God and allow his power to come forth from our body, which is a vessel, a temple of the Holy Spirit, to be used for the edification of the church. Amen.
Amen and amen. God bless you as you give heed to this teaching today. Do not turn your ear away from it. You are now accountable for these words. Be obedient in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, God's mercy so amazes me To every generation He gives the joy of His salvation Oh, God's mercy so amazes me As I watch the world around me I can see His mighty hand Delivering His people From the evil in this land The wounded and the broken From the seed of Abraham And led them through the wilderness Into the promised land In boundless love and mercy He gave His only became the sacrifice for everyone.